What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video. It's Sunday, so time for another underdog sponsored video. Last week, we went over running backs to avoid. This week, I'm gonna do the same thing before the wide receiver position. I'll go over you know, why I'd shy away from these players at their ADP, not only from a player-specific perspective, but also from a draft strategy perspective as well. If somehow you are not signed up yet for Underdog, then I don't know what you're waiting for. I've had a blast drafting over there this summer, and I promise you'll have fun as well. The Puppy 3 filled up like late Thursday night into Friday morning, I think, but they're definitely going to open up a fourth one soon. So head on over, underdogfantasy.com, sign up for your first account today. If you do so, use promo code FFA. They will match your first deposit up to $100. That'll get you into 40 Puppy drafts, which is more than enough to have you drafting all the way up to week one. And once you sign up, you can dominate your drafts, not only using the information from all these Sunday videos, but by using the underdog-specific rankings on my website as well, which you can upload directly on to Underdog. So let's get one of you that million bucks, and we'll go over five receivers that I would currently be avoiding at their ADPs. So I wanted to have you know a high-end player, obviously. I wanted to try and like get different parts of the draft, and so I was looking at the top 20. And to be honest, I agree with the ADP on nearly every single top 20 wide receiver. I think the ADPs are incredibly sharp. Sure, I have some like a few spots ahead or behind their ADP, but in general, I think the top 20 wide receivers basically should be going exactly where they are. The only one that stood out to me was Stefan Diggs. I have him as the fifth wide receiver. He's coming off the board fourth, which is not egregious at all. But in order to get him, you have to use the seventh overall pick. And that's just a little bit too early for me. I have him ranked 13th overall, which, you know, most of the time, if you're only, I uh, was at like six spots behind ADP, you're going to be fine, right? Like you're going to get that player a little bit. But when you're six spots behind ADP on a player who is going in the first round, you're not going to get any. And so I have 0% exposure to him across 30-something drafts, something like that. There's a bunch more that are coming in. I'm in a bunch of slow drafts right now, um, but I didn't take digs in any of those. I've drafted 91 different wide receivers. None of them are named Stefan Diggs. And this is actually something that someone mentioned in my last video that I did want to touch on briefly because I think it's a very important thing to go over. They basically said, why completely fade someone on underdog like if they go off if Diggs has you know 1800 yards and 20 touchdowns that's probably a little bit aggressive but like let's just say that ends up happening I lose right because all the people who are drafted him like they're having a phenomenal season he's probably posting a bunch of spiked weeks like I'm just not going to win and I get that premise just saying like hey just grab like a few percent of him so that some of your teams advance but at the end of the day what's the point of me forcing, because I'd have to force Stephon Diggs onto my teams right now, forcing, you know, 3 to 4% Stephon Diggs if I think that he is an early second round pick, but he goes in the mid first. Because if he hits, do we really think that, like, I'm going to have the winning combination only getting 4% of him? Like, there are people who really like Diggs that really want to draft him. Then we get maybe like 17, 20% of him. Well, those people are far more likely to cycle through a bunch of different combinations and have a better one 
than me. So instead of me forcing him onto a few rosters in the off chance that he hits, and now instead of 100% of my roster is being dead, now only like 97% of them are dead. Like at the end of the day, it's still not going to be good for me if Stefan Diggs goes nuclear this season. And so why not just gain a little bit more leverage there? Just say, hey, if I'm wrong, let me be completely wrong. Don't let me be 98% wrong. So that's kind of my take there. Again, I'll draft digs if he falls into maybe the late first, but into like the early second round, but he doesn't. He goes seventh overall. Sometimes he'll slip to like eighth, maybe ninth, but he goes in that range. And I just don't feel like there's a reason to force pick someone when you don't think they're a good pick. There are so many other great players. There are so many other combinations of teams that you can cycle through why cycle through teams that you don't want to be drafting so that's my kind of take there so why don't i want to draft him that early uh, it has nothing to do with the player on this one it's i mean i have him projected for 120 receptions just shy of 1450 receiving yards nine and a half touchdowns like that's a pretty good projection for wide receiver and again i'm fifth so i still really like him but as we've discussed before i love the mid-range of wide receiver. And while I think that those players can like maybe approach Diggs' production, like I don't think anyone in the mid-range is actually going to match Stephon Diggs. So I'm not sitting here saying I can just get his you know production in the middle round. But as a group, maybe they can. Maybe I can draft multiple wide receivers in the middle rounds that can. As a grouping, if we just take the best score from each of the two that I'm drafting, maybe like the fifth and sixth round, I think that can match Stephon Diggs' overall production. And I would rather do that. I'd rather draft some running backs early than a bunch of wide receivers in the middle of late rounds that can overall put up numbers comparative to Stephon Diggs. So my general strategy is to, again, lean towards those workhorses in that, like, you know, mid-first round, into round two, into round three, and just kind of work on wide receiver after that. And when I do take Stephon Diggs, if I ever did, in the middle of the first round, it just takes away one of those spots that I think is better used for running back. But it's also because I talk about this sometimes in the mock drafts. It's like when I'm building out the first few rounds of the draft, I don't want to look around and see that like four teams have a better start than me. If that's going to end up happening, I want to do something unique to where it's like, okay, if my thing hits, I have the best start here. And I feel like if you take digs at seven, I feel like the teams that drafted Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase have a better start than you because I think those three are clearly ahead of him you're only gaining a little bit of value taking digs at seven like just barely behind those three and I guess you get to pick first in round two but like not that much before them and they're probably going to get very similar players and so what I find is when I look at the Stefan Diggs teams when they take them like seventh eighth overall they're very very similar to the teams that got um, Jefferson Cup chase the only difference is they have digs who i do think is a step behind those players and so unless he's going to fall into the late first round into the early second round i'm probably going to end up with zero percent stefan digs and i do think that is fine moving on a little bit later in drafts another wide receiver i've been avoiding is deontay johnson he comes off the board as a wide receiver 23 48th overall he's my wide receiver 26 53rd overall so in a vacuum I mean that's not too much of a difference you'd think I'd get a decent amount of him and I have some about six percent 
Um, but I expect that number to drop over the next few weeks because I have less appeal for Deontay than I had early in the summer, which might surprise some people because like he just signed a new contract, like now he's at practice, like he's going to be good to go. But Trubisky has been the best quarterback in camp, uh, which is pretty embarrassing because there's very bad reports about Trubisky. Like that's one of the, you know, you don't actually see a ton of negative news when camps open. This is one where like we've got pretty negative news about the Pittsburgh passing attack. So that whole, you know, passing game gives me some level of concern that they're not going to be that great. But we then have to consider that, like, George Pickens is having an unbelievable camp. It is very clear he is going to be locked into a pretty sizable target share, even as a rookie. You know, if we consider that, like, Najee Harris is going to get a ton of touches, that Pat Fiermuth is going to be in year two, that Claypool will still be involved. Again, Pickens could have a breakout season. It's like, how do I justify Deontay Johnson ahead of guys like Juju, Brandon Cooks, Bateman, uh, Michael Hardman, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Mooney, St. Brown. Again, it's one of those situations where it's like maybe you don't like all of those players ahead of him, but are you really taking Deontay ahead of that entire group and sometimes an entire round or more than a round ahead of players that I just listed? So when he's one of the top options, I've just found myself saying, okay, even if he's my top-ranked wide receiver, it's like, well, maybe there's the end of the running back tier that's kind of elite. Maybe I can grab one of Mahomes or Justin Herbert. Maybe one of Waller or Kittle is there. It's just like there's always something else to where even if he's top in the rankings, which he's not typically because usually when you get to that spot, even if you're a little behind ADP, there's someone else there that also fell. Even when it does happen, I find myself going in other spots because I look at what I'm going to get in the next round for wide receiver and I'm like, I'd just rather wait. I don't think Deontay is any different from these players, and I'm not even 100% sure he's better than those players. And so at that like fourth, fifth round turn, just I usually just go in a different direction. Another player I've been shying away from is Marquise Brown. This has nothing to do with the arrest, nothing to do with the hamstring, uh, just more where he's going in drafts. Like Not only is he going ahead of all the players I just mentioned, but also Jerry Judy and Gabriel Davis, and then, of course, Deontay Johnson as well. And that's just so tough for me to get behind. I mean, as a wide receiver changing teams, we know that like that's not as important as we thought before, but it still has some level of risks there. But also, like he hasn't really been able to practice all that much with Kyler Murray because like Kyler missed time with COVID, um, Brown missed time with the injury. And so it's like they haven't really had that much time to develop together in camp. And, you know, Hopkins is obviously going to be a huge part of the offense when he returns. I know Hopkins is going to miss the first like month and a half of the season, but when he comes back is also when the games matter the most. Of course, the later portion of the season, whether this is for redraft or an underdog, those are the weeks that matter the most, the championship weekends. And so if you're getting the best production early in the year, it's like, okay, that's fine. But when the games matter, you're not going to have that as much. And it just feels a little bit too crowded for Brown to post like, really high-end numbers, because if you're being taken as, you know, the 20th wide receiver, you need to have really high-end numbers. I just think people assume that Kyler Murray is a better passer than Lamar, and so Brown's ceiling goes through the roof. But remember, like, Brown was a target monster last last season on Baltimore. Even though they didn't throw that much, he had a ton of targets, and also, he didn't even hit his ceiling over there because of all the drops, but that wasn't due to Lamar. I think, again, people think going to Kyler is going to raise his ceiling, but he could very well see 
fewer targets as a result of being on a team that has more target competition. And also, it was not Lamar's fault that he didn't hit his true ceiling. There were a lot of beautiful passes that Lamar Jackson made to Marquise Brown last season that Marquise Brown just simply dropped. They were right to him, wide open, and he dropped them. It was not on Lamar, and so transitioning to Kyler Murray, that's not going to change anything. So I get that people want to capture that weekly variance with Marquise Brown, since he's a player that will be a little bit up and down, he'll have some lower games, and then, I mean, of course, he's going to hit for some long touchdowns this year, and that's really good for underdog, but taking him in the early fourth round feels like you're forcing variance onto your team, and that's not something that I want to do. So I currently have 0% of him as well, and I would imagine that it remains that way the entire summer, or it's a very, very small amount if he happens to crater in one of my drafts. I've also been avoiding Drake London, though I suppose not to the same degree. I have him on a whopping like 4% of my teams because uh, he has fallen a few times, like multiple rounds. But my issue with London is very similar to Deontay Johnson. London is the locked-in wide receiver one on his team. That is not in question, just like Deontay is for the Steelers. But Marcus Mariota is probably going to be the quarterback for the full season. That's kind of what it's seeming like right now. And that is obviously not great. And the thing with London is we're sort of projecting how well he's going to play. Like, we think he's going to have a really good career, but he is still going to be a rookie. And he's not someone that everyone was sold on as a slam dunk prospect. The draft capital makes it seem like that's the case, but not everyone was sold. You know, he was the best wide receiver in the draft class, that he was this locked and loaded every single season wide receiver one fantasy. Like, not everyone was convinced of that. But that's what the ADP kind of suggests to me. Like, he goes before Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Ayuk. These are players who we're sure are talented. We know every one of the players I just mentioned is talented. And we've seen them in the past post-elite numbers. And while some will still likely have to play with questionable quarterback play as well, I think the fact that we have environment concerns, like passing environment concerns, coupled with being a rookie and going relatively early in drafts just has me a little bit concerned. Like Pickens is going in the 12th round. If you want to try and attack a wide receiver on a mediocre passing offense, but take them because they're very talented and they could be really good this season, why not take Pickens in round 12 and not London in round 6? Because it's not even the wide receivers you're taking over him. Like, yeah, there's a lot of really good wide receivers you have to draft London over, but also quarterbacks, Trey Lance, Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson. Those are really good picks in that range. You're also foregoing them to take London, and I just, I just don't see it. I personally would not. I'm not a big fan of drafting him. Again, I only have 4%. Final wide receiver we'll go over today is Alan Lazard. He goes a tad later in the seventh round as the wide receiver 34. And I don't have him graded out as that bad of a pick. I have him as a mid-eighth round pick, which it can happen. Like if there's an you know, early mid-seventh rounder, you can still get them in the mid-eighth round sometimes. Wide receiver 42 in my rankings. And that's led to me getting about 9% of him. So he falls sometimes. But that 9% comes a little bit earlier in the offseason, number one, when his ADP was a little bit later. Number two, when we didn't have the breakout, Romeo Dubs, you know, breaking out, I guess, having a really good camp. And I'm in a lot of slow drafts right now. I don't believe in any of them 
I have exposure to them. So I would think that my end exposure, like it's 9% right now, it's probably going to be around 5 or 6% just because he's going to fall in some drafts. But I really have not been targeting him as of late. And it's really just like me thinking about his ceiling. Like I, I want to draft players who, like not everyone can be, you know, a top five wide receiver, but I want them to have the potential of a true breakout season, really outperform the ADP. But Romeo Dubs is crushing camp. Christian Watson will return at some point and is absolutely, when he returns, going to command a target share. We know that the running backs are going to be involved not only on the ground, but heavily in the passing game as well. Robert Tunyon is going to return at some point and be featured in the red zone. They're excited about Sammy Watkins and what he can kind of provide them on a rotational basis. Plus, they're going to be a very slow-paced team. They're going to try and win with offensive efficiency, not volume, and really solid defense play. They have an elite defense. So I look at Lazard in the seventh round, and I just feel like there are so many better ways that I can spend that pick. There are other wide receivers. This is still a range we love attacking the quarterback position. Maybe there's one of these running backs that's been cratering in drafts like a, um, a David Montgomery that you know used to be going in like late round four, maybe into round five that are now going in round like seven. And it's like there's just always someone else. I'm never on the clock, see Lazard, and I'm like, well, that's the only good player left. No, there's plenty of other options. When I think about that ceiling, I'm not fully convinced that it's there. So those are five wide receivers that I would personally be avoiding on underdog given their current ADPs. Remember, you can use promo code FFA when signing up. They will match your first deposit up to $100. That is a free $100 that they will match. That'll get you into a ton ton of drafts this summer and if you guys don't have like a ton of free time you don't have time to sit there and do a 40 45 minute draft then do what i do like just join a ton of slow drafts you have eight hours to make your pick if it's overnight you have 10 hours to make the pick like i'm in you know 15 to 20 drafts at a time and it's incredible right you can just wait until you're not busy during the day you have a little bit of free time open up the app see you're on the clock in like seven eight leagues and just make a bunch of different picks under a bunch of different builds. Again, I promise you will have a fun time drafting over there. You will enjoy it. I have yet to find someone who's tried it out and had negative things to say. So I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Mock Draft Monday. Tuesday, live, 8 p.m. Eastern to go over the latest news, updates around the league, and then, of course, do an underdog draft with all of you. And then Wednesday for some sort of top five video. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but it will be a top five video. That, my friends is the end of this one. Hope you all enjoyed. If you did, how about hitting the like button and how about subscribing to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.